This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show as Nebraska is in the midst of trying to close out this 2016 class, and we are in recruiting crunch time. That means we put Nate Klaus in recruiting crunch time mode. It's going to be a heavy Nate Klaus podcast, a heavy recruiting podcast, as as we try to figure out uh, the final pieces of this class. Uh, We'll close the show today with a full uh, visit preview of the weekend. Uh, We'll talk to Tom Lombardo, the head coach, of Tony Butler. We caught up with him and then we caught up with uh, Nebraska defensive athlete commit Jojo Doman. But uh, we wanted to start out with Nate here um, just to kind of go through the storylines of recruiting uh, that played out here through the week, Nate. And I think the one that caught both of us by surprise um, was the the late visit plan to bring in Tanner Lee. Uh, he's been a starting quarterback the last two years at Tulane. He's played in 19 games. He started all 19 of them, uh, has two years of eligibility remaining, but he's not a graduate transfer, which means uh, by rule he'd have to sit out another year. He's already redshirted, which would only give him one year of eligibility. What do you make of this latest development bringing in Tanner Lee for a visit this weekend? Well, I think it's pretty obvious Nebraska wants to to be able to have a quarterback on their roster with some experience after Tommy Armstrong and, and Riker Fife leave uh, after next season. So if they bring in Tanner Lee, he would come in, sit out next season, uh, you know, due to the NCAA transfer rules, and then would have one final year of eligibility remaining, uh, which would more than likely give them two quarterbacks on the roster that they feel really comfortable with. And Patrick O'Brien, who's already on campus going through uh, winter conditioning, will be here for spring ball. And of course, Tanner Lee. And it is kind of a curious situation because there were some, you know, some other transfers that, um, you know, I don't know how much traction. Uh, Nebraska ever really had with them or how much they really uh, pursued them that you know were kind of out there uh, over the the Christmas break but um, you know I think Keith Williams's um, you know connection to Tulane you know uh, having coached there uh, while Tanner Lee was on the roster there that relationship is obviously given Nebraska uh, some sort of uh, you know connection with him and and they're bringing him up you know he visited LSU last weekend uh, will be in Lincoln in this weekend doesn't hold an offer from either program yet so um you know it's not like nebraska is definitely going to do this but they're they're for sure kicking the tires on on bringing him in yeah it's interesting just because it would almost be like signing a one-year free agent i know there's talk that he might get another year of eligibility back but you and i have been around this long enough to know that that, that's a lot harder to, to happen than one would think to to kind of steal a year of eligibility back from the NCAA. Yeah, that's a gamble at best. You never want to bank on the NCAA giving you anything, and especially a year back after you've transferred for, uh, you know, for – no apparent reason. I, you know, I don't know um, what his grounds for, for, you know, receiving a hardship year back would would really be, other than the coaching change that has happened in Tulane. And and, and let's be honest, that happens across the country every year. And and the NCAA is not giving you know hardship years to everyone who leaves because of that reason. So I, I think that would be a long shot a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think the the two main things that really stand out to me about this whole situation is okay if you bring Tanner Lee in, you're 
you're taking away a scholarship that you could use at a, another position of need to help close out this recruiting class. Um, but if you don't bring him in, you you don't have you know you don't have that extra experience on the on the roster at that quarterback position. So um, you, you would most likely be kind of putting all your eggs into you know, ba- the one basket of hopefully bringing in a graduate transfer to to help give you that type of guy at the end of next season. And and we all know you know graduate transfers are are kind of hard to come by. They're a hot commodity when they're on the market. <laughs> if I'm guys like AJ Bush and Zach Darlington, if the writing is not on the wall. Uh, I don't know how much more clear it can be. I mean, because they bring this guy in, um, you know, I think it pretty, I mean, it paints a picture. And maybe they anticipate one of those guys to leave. You know, you hear, you've heard rumblings about a guy like Bush being someone at the FCS level uh, could really thrive there. So you, you never know. Maybe they don't anticipate both Bush and Darlington to stick around long term. And um, they're just trying to be proactive. But definitely an interesting development as we talk about the weekly storylines that happened here on the road. Uh, the coaching staff. Nate was out in full force. We'll get more into the visit weekend um, to close the show. But what were some of the other major developments that you took away from the time the staff put on the road this week? Well, the big the big news uh, aside from the Tanner Lee coming in is, uh, you know, Pernell Jefferson, the Oklahoma linebacker commit that Nebraska had offered last April. And, you know, there seemingly hadn't been a whole lot of, of recruiting going on there but uh, since he committed to Oklahoma. But there actually has been, and, and he will be visiting this weekend. So that was an interesting development. Uh, of course, Tony Butler breaks Nebraska's dry spell, um, you know, for commits. Um, you know, they went nearly two months without having a commitment, at least a public but commitment. But that's deceiving. Uh, yeah, that is it is deceiving. I, I think Nebraska knew for a long time. In fact, Tony told me that he committed to Nebraska about a week and a half after he visited, um, you know, in the middle of, of December. So he, he visited that last weekend before the dead period, uh, committed about a week and a half later, and then made it official when Nebraska visited him, him in his home this past Monday, and then went public with it on Wednesday. So it is kind of deceiving the you know how long Nebraska went without a commitment. And I think there may be other guys who have already committed to Nebraska that they know about as well, but that just haven't gone public. So, uh, but I think Tony Butler kind of represents a, a key recruit, though. He's I think he could be a catalyst to really you know kick things off as as these next you know 13, 14 days or so um, leading up to signing day get rolling, and and uh, it's going to be really important for these guys to close out and uh, Tony. Butler um, got that ball rolling. Butler, 6'2", 200 pounds, played corner, but uh, also could be a safety. Uh, lots of versatility. Um, two years ago, he was in a secondary that had three four-star uh, players in it. Uh, they are the number one ranked team in Ohio. I believe they've won three titles now in a row in the highest classification. There, there's no doubt he comes from a premier top, maybe 15 program in America. Um, and, and you would think that experience and, and the level he's played at is going to really, really be a benefit. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Nebraska's recruiting him to come in and play that boundary safety position. He's he's come up playing the cornerback position. So I, I really like his coverage skills. He's obviously got the size that you that you want at that defensive back position at 6'2", 200 pounds. Um, and he's a competitor. Like you said, he comes from the number one program in the state of Ohio. And the state of Ohio in itself is is arguably the most talented state, you know, northern state in the in the nation. Um, you know, 
putting out hundreds of, of D1 guys every year. So uh, come, he, he's played against great competition. He's a winner. Uh, you know, the program, uh, top team in the state, number six in the entire nation right now uh, is, is how, how they finish the year out, winning another state championship. So uh, absolutely great program to, to get into for Nebraska to kind of tap into there. Um, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, he, he had uh, about 20 offers total, but there was a lot of Big Ten teams that, that kind of passed him by, uh, especially the Ohio States and the Michigan States of the world. And um, those are two teams that Tony Butler really liked, and, and they never did offer. And he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, uh, you, you look at Nebraska, Nate, just in Ohio as we close this the segment down here. Um, it's been kind of a dry spell in general in Ohio, almost since Vince Merrow left the staff. They had that little run there where Merrow got very aggressive, and um, you know they, they took the two Carter Mooney kids and Greg Hart and Kevin Gladney. Not one of those players is in the program anymore. Nope. Um, all that whole group, um, you know, I think Greg McMullen's obviously from Ohio, Kevin Williams, but they're the number of Ohio players on the roster. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any other. I think those are the only two right now. Yeah, it's, I think those are the only ones. And, uh, it, it's interesting because there for a while it was looking like Nebraska was really going to have a kind of create a foothold in the state and, and not get the, you know, the top players, you know, the guys that are going to Ohio State. But like I mentioned earlier, there's so many players there. It's a deep state. Uh, it looked like Nebraska was going to kind of tap into that. But for whatever reason, it didn't, never really worked out that way. But uh, Tony Butler kind of breaks that that dry spell and and uh, you know being able to tap into a program like St. Edward is uh, is huge for the Huskers. Well, well, we'll bring in the head coach of Lakewood St. Edwards, Tom Lombardo. We'll get his thoughts on just Nebraska's recruitment and, and where Tony Butler fits in here in the grand scheme of things. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Nebraska picked up commitment number 16, as you heard in our last segment from Lakewood St. Edwards defensive back Tony Butler. And we're pleased to be joined now here on the show by Butler's head coach, Tom Lombardo. Coach, first of all, congrats on the success of your program the last two seasons. You guys have won the state championship each of the last two years. What has that meant just to your school, your program, your community uh, to, to win back-to-back state championships out there? Well, it's it's been, you know, really great, and it's a testament to the kids we have, the school community, and, you know, uh, to what we stand for in terms of excellence and our school mission. And, you know, I, we hope that kids are, you know, doing well on the field or doing well off the field in the classroom and they're getting the, the type of um, attention, you know, that uh, guys like Tony Butler at Nebraska and our tailback cold guest is going to Indiana, and we have another wide receiver corner going to Syracuse. So um, it's been great. You know, when, you, when you look at Nebraska, obviously it's a new staff there, not very many guys with real Ohio connections. How, how did the kind of interaction with Nebraska begin, um, and, and what kind of history before Mike Riley's staff did your program have at all, if any, uh, dealing with Nebraska? Interestingly enough, when I was an assistant at St. Ed's uh, eight years ago uh, for five years, and before that I was head coach at Lake Catholic, and my father-in-law was at St. Ed's, and Frankie Solich – of course, was a great player at uh, Nebraska and coach uh, and head coach, and played at Holy Name High School here in Cleveland. So, 1999 uh, or 2000, I was able to go up to Nebraska. And Milt Tenniper uh, and Frank Solich were there, and I we learned a ton. You know, it was a great four days. I was telling another talk show that I I was up there, and it's the furthest west I've been. But 
I had the assembly line, you know, by Milt Pennefer and how the, the G option we ran back then. And we, uh, you know, learned a, a lot of from the inside zone and outside zone principles that he talked about in that book. Back back then, they practiced in the stadium, and then they went down below, like sort of an I forget what they called it, the pit or the dungeon, and they had the sled up against the wall there, and the ceiling was only you know a few <laughs> like a foot above those guys' heads, and they were doing all their drills down there for the old line. It was it was really neat. They called that the old mushroom gardens, I think, if I remember right. Is, is that, yeah, right. We're here joined on the Husker Online show by uh, Lakewood St. Edwards head coach Tom Lombardo. He's the head coach of recent Nebraska defensive back Tony Butler. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk more about this Nebraska staff and, and dealing with Mike Riley. Uh, what maybe impressed you? I mean, you deal with a lot of coaches. You're the number one ranked team in Ohio in the highest class. You've had multiple Division One kids the last several years. What's impressed you dealing with this Nebraska staff over the process? You know, interestingly enough, I, I didn't have – this is my first year back at St. Ed. So, Rick Finati was the coach before that um, for the previous two state titles, and this is my first year, and we won it uh, again. So, there was a, a, a coach or two that came in the spring, and, uh, you know, through this process, I, I, I didn't, you know, really have much connection with them. I mean, Tony was obviously offered by, you know, probably 23, 25 schools, and they all got almost all the Big Ten. So, I think they did their homework and, you know uh, – uh, you know, kind of knew what they wanted in him, and 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 he felt most comfortable with their DB coach, and uh, you know, he felt at home. He said it at Nebraska, so uh, that that was kind of neat to see. Yeah, when you look at just the talent of your program and the success that they've had the last few seasons, I mean, how many good kids are, are wanting to go play now at St. Ed's uh, with what you guys have done on the field, and obviously placing guys in Division One. Uh, I'm sure the talent has been kind of flowing in and out of there the last few years with the number of kids. Uh, that want to go play and be a part of your program. Yeah, you know, and sometimes that's a, it's a great thing because every school, you know, at least in the Midwest and East Coast, you know, there's a lot of schools that that obviously come in and the kids get seen. The the sometimes all the kids got to wait till their senior year to play, and and I think, you know, in some ways, Carl Jones is going to Syracuse and Tony in a lot of ways. You know, he was our secondary last year consisted of David and Andrew Dowell both playing at Michigan State and Sean Crawford at Notre Dame. And we had a guy named Haggadis that is play, playing at Youngstown State. So we had four, plus Tony, you know, and, and Carol Jones, who just got a scholarship as a DB this year that didn't even play defense, yeah, you yeah. know, as a junior. So, you know, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, you, uh, Sean Crawford would have been the nickel at Notre Dame this year, and, but he tore his ACL in, in, uh, in, in practice. And Andrew Dowell, he played as a backup, uh, you know, strong safety there at Michigan State. Uh, was on the field, in fact, on that famous punt play that Michigan botched and uh, you know, so as a, these guys are playing as true freshmen, so that that goes to show you the talent, and that's that's not common uh, at St. Ed's. You know, I mean that that was an uncommon uh, class to have that many good players. Uh, you know, in the secondary, but it was it was really neat to see. Yeah, you mentioned that. I mean, three of those, all three of those guys were four star guys on rivals, and Tony Butler was a junior playing uh, with them. What do you think he learned just being with a special group that might have been the top secondary in the nation when you break down the yeah. number of uh, prospects that you had to work with out there? You know, he's mentioned that I think, and that that he learned a lot from Sean Crawford and the Dallas. Just watching their practice habits and them go through the process, I think, and how they conduct themselves, and I think that carried over to him. And Tony's a Real likable, smiley guy, you know, and, and he's a fun-loving, but actually very kind of quiet and close to the vest when it came to this recruiting stuff. He really put the season and, uh, you know, and let that be the most important thing and kind of waited uh, before he made any kind of commitment or anything like that. He did, you know, commit the pit early on, and he even said it was a mistake. I, 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 it was the first visit I went on. I didn't know any better. 
you know, didn't realize maybe what would happen. So it, it was kind of an interesting process to see it, but we didn't talk much about it throughout the season. You know, I think, I think those guys told them, Hey, focus on what you're doing. And, and, and you know, that's what's most important right now, what you do for St. Ed's and, and the chips will fall where they make. We're joined by Lakewood St. Edwards head coach Tom Lombardo as uh, we talk about Nebraska's recent commit Tony Butler here on the Husker online show. And, you know, you look at Tony and just how big and physical he is. Where, where do you think he fits at the Big Ten level? Is he a safety, a free safety, a strong safety, a corner? I mean, where do you think his best fit is long term? Well, you know, he played corner, like in a press corner for us this year, and he really wasn't targeted that many times. I think that was his biggest strength. He's so tall, long, rangy, with great speed that he's a good cover guy. You know, um, you know, is he 6'2", 195 pounds? You know, we didn't ask him much to come up in the alley and make a tackle on a 220-pound, you know, running back. Uh, that's something I think that he would have to develop in his game. But uh, if that's, you know, where they he certainly can do it. You know, we just didn't ask him to do that uh, uh, for us this year. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Tony was a guy that committed early to Pitt. And, you know, that's something that we see a lot with kids now in recruiting. Uh, they almost kind of feel a pressure to have to commit early on in the spring, even before they can take official visits. As a coach that, that deals with college recruiting a lot and, and, and the process, what rules would you like to see be changed uh, just to maybe make it easier on the coaches and the kids going forward? You know, that's a great question. I was just having a discussion yesterday with a coach about it. You know, you're saying what could, uh, you know, what, you know, I, I don't know, maybe not have a sign, you know, like if you offer the kid could sign right there, you know, and then it's done. You know, I mean, it's uh, if they sign, they sign, but then, you know, then, you could sucker a kid in right away to sign, and then he regrets it and that kind of thing. So, I don't know. You know, the, the game is played. Uh, you know, there's, like, schools, that, like, max schools that, that'll offer way more kids than they could, you know, fill in scholarships, knowing that those kids aren't going to come there, but they feel they need to offer them anyways. And, you know, then if, you know, a kid doesn't take it right away and they have another kid that, you know, that could get – they're pressured to, oh, should I take it? If I'm – if that's the highest level I could go, I better take it right now. And that, that's what I tell kids, you know. Uh, if you want to go there and you like it and you don't feel you're going to get anything above that kind of offer, take it now, um, but or commit now at least to make the so they're tied in. But then the school doesn't have to honor it if you don't have a great senior year or something happens too, you know. So it's not good business, but it certainly happens. And boy, I don't know the answer. You know, it's getting younger and younger. Where and it's almost like kids can't develop anymore. You know, if you're not noted as a sophomore or junior, they don't even watch you at the Nebraska and Ohio State level. And I think there's something maybe a little off with that, too, you know, because I think some kids uh, are late bloomers and are capable of playing at that level but don't get the chance. And, and it may be why you see some MAC schools and one double, you know, play with the big-time schools uh, and upset them, you know, in a lot of ways. Because I think, those, you know, they're getting kids earlier and, and these guys are waiting more later and, you know, you see the talent field balancing out a little bit. Yeah, everyone's almost trying to recruit ahead versus really recruit with the the current time that's going on. And like exactly, you, you see it hurt teams like Texas and some other programs that have done it over the years. Where I think people have reevaluated, but I think there's just such a wide variety when you go from the Big Ten to the MAC. I mean, it's hard to get everybody on the same page, and I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to it or get a, a solution for the long term. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's. Uh... You know, you feel bad because, you know, then coaches get upset if a kid does something like commits and then decommits. You know, you say, well, why would you commit in the first place? Well, I didn't know any better. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, and unless you tutor them at, at, at that age, sometimes you don't even know, you know, that they go up there and all of a sudden 
they have a good spring combine or something and they go up to a place and you don't even know, you don't even have a chance to sort of talk to the kid and explain a lot of it. So it certainly helps to say not that a lot of these guys or any guys have done it before that, but it puts kids in tough situations, you know, and coaches too. I mean, it's tough on both ends. They're trying to get the best players and keep their jobs and, Kids are trying to do what's best for themselves, too. So, Well, Coach, uh, we appreciate the time. Uh, congratulations on the state championship this season, and, and hopefully we'll get a chance maybe to see you up here in Lincoln one of these days. Yeah, you know, I'd like to come back. It was, it was a great trip, and, uh, you know, we, I, we, we enjoyed it. So, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I learned a lot. I, I don't know many of the coaches extremely well in Nebraska now. I didn't know back then, but uh, just besides Coach Solich's connection to Cleveland and uh, – Actually, my father-in-law and played in a charity game together in 1962. Uh, charity game was held at the old Cleveland Stadium, and uh, there used to be like 40,000, 50,000 that came on Thanksgiving Day. So that was the game. Holy Na- and Holy Name beat Cathedral Latin at the time. So <laughs> interesting history of Cleveland football there. Well, I appreciate it, Coach. And uh, w- w- thanks again, once again, for the time. And uh, we-, we look forward to seeing Tony up here in Lincoln. Thank you. All right, that was Lakewood St. Edwards head coach Tom Lombardo. We come back here on the Husker Online Show. We'll talk Nebraska basketball uh, with Robin Washett. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. We're going to take the focus off recruiting here for one segment, and rightfully so, as Nebraska got one of their biggest road wins Probably since the last time they did win at Michigan State. The Huskers beat Michigan State 72-71 to in East Lansing on Wednesday night. Now they have a huge game this week at home against Michigan. And we bring in Robin Washett and now Dan Hoppin to the program um, to kind of put the final take on just that win, where this team is at. Robin, um, did you see any scenario at all, first of all? I know Michigan State was struggling, but did you see any scenario at all where Nebraska could have won that game uh, when you kind of did your previews and breakdowns? Yeah, you know, it wasn't entirely out of the question. I mean, considering how well Nebraska was playing and the fact that Michigan State had just lost two in a row, but uh, just uh, the part of me just said that the law of averages had to work themselves out. I mean, that Nebraska couldn't keep up, um, you know, this this level that they've been at the last three games going into that and Michigan State had to you know they're much better than how they had been playing well uh, there was just more more of the same I mean Nebraska came out and did exactly what they've been doing during this four game winning streak I mean they shot 50 cent percent from the field both halves I think they've they've done that for nine halves in a row now uh, during this winning streak so I mean the offense was still clicking Siobhan Shields played out of his mind um, you know basically carried that team at some points and then you know they got big shots uh, from Glenn Watson from Ty Webster and you know Michael Jacobson made some key plays down the stretch and it was basically the, the same formula Nebraska had been rolling on uh, for those previous three wins carried right on over and ended up being the biggest win of the season other than that Minnesota game Robin Siobhan Shields had kind of been in the middle of a little bit of a a lull, um, especially once Big Ten play started, hadn't been shooting all that well. What was it that you saw Wednesday night that kind of got him going? I mean, it was just aggressiveness. He was attacking from the very opening tip, and that's when he is at his best. And for whatever reason, Michigan State did not get the blueprint of how you stop Nebraska, and that's keep Siobhan Shields not only from driving, but driving to his right. How many times did we see that classic Siobhan drive to his left, spin, and go up to the rim with his right hand? I mean, he did that time and again, and it worked for him uh, on numerous occasions. And so that's, I mean, when you have Siobhan with given the ability to do that, 
that makes everyone else better around him. And again, you know, Andrew White didn't have his best game, but other players like Glenn Watson and like guys that I mentioned earlier uh, were able to step up and make clutch shots down the stretch. And so, you know, when when Siobhan is able to be aggressive like that and attack the basket, Nebraska is so much better. Nebraska now 12 and 8, 4 and 3 in the Big Ten. And you think about some of those earlier losses, like say the Sanford one and in that Northwestern one at home. I mean, uh, just maybe how different it would feel. I mean, I think you definitely would feel good about NIT at that this point. Oh, and, yeah. uh, right now, obviously, they still have work ahead of them uh, to get in that NIT conversation and obviously even bigger thoughts than that. But it starts Saturday now with Michigan. I think this is a game. I haven't seen the numbers. I'd assume Nebraska will be a slight home favorite over the Wolverines before uh, they get a full week off to go at Purdue. Then Maryland comes to Lincoln. So this three-game stretch – um, you know, one and two has to happen. Would you agree? Um, if not, I mean, two and one is going to be very difficult, uh, but it's not out of the window, especially with Maryland coming to Lincoln. No, I think Saturday is an extremely winnable situation for Nebraska. I mean, you take into account uh, how well Nebraska is playing and Michigan is a team that, you know, just they've been OK. They just struggled to beat Minnesota the other night. Uh, so, I mean, you know, they're obviously not uh, invincible by any stretch, but they will be getting their best player, Karis LeVert, back more than likely. You know, he's missed quite some time with injury, and he's arguably one of the best scoring guards in the conference. Uh, so with that changes their dynamic a little bit. But, I mean, this is a Nebraska team that's won four in a row in the Big Ten, uh, just pulled off an upset of the 11th-ranked team in the country, uh, is just you know riding higher than ever, and then you have a home game on Avery Strong Day, uh, against a team in Michigan, which outside of Maryland is the, one of the only teams Nebraska has never beaten since joining the Big Ten. You want to talk about all the motivation you could possibly ask for, and uh, that uh, atmosphere at Pinnacle Bank Arena is going to be nuts. I would say maybe since No Sit Sunday versus Wisconsin is what I'm expecting, just because people are so jacked up about what the Huskers are doing right now. And I usually hate doing this, but I can't help but doing do it to look at Nebraska's schedule and try and project ahead. I mean, if if Nebraska, like you said, Sean, does go one and two in these next three games, that puts them at five and five in the conference. Here's the remaining conference schedule. Rutgers at home. You like that. At Wisconsin, that'll be tough, but Wisconsin's down this year. Penn State at home. At Indiana, very tough. Ohio State at home. At Penn State. Purdue at home. At Northwestern. There are a lot of, a, a lot of winnable games on that schedule. I mean, that's something where Nebraska could be looking at, if not a 500 finish, maybe a better than 500 finish in conference play. Yeah, I think eight wins is not out of the question. I mean, if oh, eight, no. eight to nine right now. And, and that gets you in the NIT um, which would be a very good reward. I mean, I, I think NCAA is a long – I mean, they, they're going to have to get more right. wins like Michigan State to get in that conversation. Well, then you also have the opportunity in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, you know, you get a first-round matchup against, you know, a Minnesota or Rutgers or whoever it may be. You know, there, there's another win that the selection committee is going to look at. And, you know, uh, don't want to put the cart before the horse here. Yeah, but uh, they were in the same situation. Let's rewind a little really bit. really a flashback. They beat Michigan State last year, and they mm-hmm. were, what, 3-3 three and three in the league? Yeah, something like that, I think. And it was the same deal. And then they, they only won. Did they only win one game after that Michigan State, or did they lose them all in a row? I forget. Oh, yeah. they. I think they lost out after that. They lost. So, let's. This has a, the the look of a much different team, though. That, yeah. that team last year was so centered around 
on Teran Petaway, where if he didn't have a big night, they didn't have a chance to win. And I don't think that's the case with this year's team. You, you can kind of say that a little bit with uh, Andrew White and Siobhan Shields, but at least there's two of those guys. And where they're if good one guys. Goes, and they have yes. Ty Webster, and they have Glenn Watson, and they have you know guys that will make those, you know, the Benny Parker three-pointer, the Jack McVay three-pointer, the Michael Jacobson offensive rebound putback. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have those guys that will make those key plays that – you know, really separate a good team from a very good team. And when McVeigh, I mean, McVeigh has been very inconsistent, but when he hits a couple shots, uh, but you know, Parker to me has been the guy that, you know, it's kind of boom or bust. They yes, need, they definitely. need, they need Parker to not turn it over. He hadn't and, scored in three straight games going up until the Michigan whew. state game. Glenn Watson though, if he keeps hitting that 17 foot crossover jumper, that's I mean, unstoppable. I mean, how, yep. that, that is such a hard shot to make and for a freshman to have the confidence to shoot that shot, you know, in a game like that. I mean, I've been saying it that this kid, you know, has potential all-conference ability, and if he keeps playing like that in another couple of years, uh, we may be seeing that. And we haven't even mentioned Ed Morrow yet. Oh, I mean, yeah. he, he has not had a good season by any means, but I just, I look at that guy. He's such a good athlete. You know, I just believe that he's going to come around at some point, and he's going to start contributing more. And then Michael Jacobson, I, I think. Oh, he's been he, fantastic. He has been. Kind of, as Robin said earlier to me this week, the steal of the recruiting class kind of just has that Bruce Chubbick or, or just that big guy role player. I mean, he's basically doing what Walter Pitchford should have been doing exactly. as, as a 6'9 guy the last couple of years and doing it well. And for a 6'8", 220-some pound freshman to play the last 11 games as the starting center, uh, he has more than held his own and given Nebraska everything they could have absolutely hoped for, uh, and he's getting better and better. And this is a kid that, you know, from the day that he committed, uh, you know, he's not done growing. He's 6'8 right now. I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he gets to be about 6'10 and it ends up being a Brandon Ubell type. And when you think about you add Brandon Ubell to this team right now, there's a guaranteed tournament team. Well, it should be fun. Uh, Nebraska, Michigan, 1 p.m. Saturday. Then they will have an entire week off before they travel to West Lafayette the following Saturday to play Purdue at 3.30. So no doubt a a big part of the year for Nebraska with an opportunity uh, to get to 5-3 and three in Big Ten Conference play. Robin Washett will have full coverage. When we come back here on the program, we caught up with current Nebraska defensive athlete commit JoJo Doman. We'll get JoJo's thoughts on kind of where things are at with this 2016 Husker recruiting class. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Pleased to be joined by our next guest, current Nebraska defensive athlete commit JoJo Doman out of Colorado Springs, Pine Creek. Uh, JoJo, first of all, thanks a lot for uh, coming on here with us as we approach signing day. Of course, it's a it's a privilege, and um, I'm just excited to get up to Lincoln. So. Yeah, I mean, you committed so long ago, JoJo, and you had a lot of teams interested in you. Um, over the recruiting process, you had a huge senior year. Uh, what, what was it like for you this year? I mean, did you have a lot of teams still trying to kind of get back in the door? Did or, or did things kind of quiet down for you as um, you committed and played this season? For sure. Um, well, things started to quiet down at the beginning after I committed in June. But then uh, schools kept on uh, pursuing me, and then even some new schools uh, came into the picture that um, there were very good schools, but I'm just nothing like Nebraska, so. Yeah, talk uh, talk about well, more about Nebraska and, and just the the relationship level you have with Trent Bray, Mike Riley, Mark Banker, and and just what drew you to commit to Nebraska uh, back on June 26th. 
For sure. Um, I have a very good relationship with Coach Bray, and uh, my relationship with Coach Riley and Coach Banker is uh, going uh, like nowhere but positive. It's uh, it's growing each and every uh, every week, and every time we talk to them, I had a great in-home visit last week with Bray and Banker, and I'm excited for the 24th when uh, Coach Riley comes out. So um, our relationships continue to build, and what I like about Nebraska is um, just the atmosphere of the the facilities along with where the program's going and I want to go into sports broadcasting and they have a very good department um for that. So I'm just I'm just excited for the whole experience as a whole and um I just I'm just excited to get to Lincoln soon. We're pleased here to be joined by Nebraska commit Jojo Dolman out of Colorado Springs. A question you get asked a lot is, where are you going to play? I mean, is safety, is linebacker, uh, where do you see yourself best uh, fitting at right now? And, and what has the staff talked to you about here the last few weeks? For sure. Well, like you said, defensive athlete. And what I'm going to go in as is a safety. And they're going to give me a full year to develop there and just develop as a football player. Um get to know the scheme, uh, fly around, make some plays, and see how I do. And um, At the end of my freshman year, if they want to move me closer to the ball, I'm all for it. And if they want to keep me in the secondary, I'm all for it. I'm just trying to get on the field and help uh, this team uh, to a Big Ten championship. So. Yeah, going in, I mean, when you look at early expectations, I mean, you, you talk to guys like Eric Lee, Avery Anderson, they both redshirted. So you, you kind of know, and then there's guys that played as true freshmen and had roles this past year on special teams. Uh, how do you weigh that decision going forward when you start to look at what's best for your career to, to redshirt or, or maybe attempt to get on the field and contribute in a lesser role as a freshman? For sure. Well, I'm just going to go in um, and give it everything I got in the weight room, on the field, in the classroom. And um, by the end of fall camp and towards the beginning of the season, I don't know, and the coaches will know, if uh, redshirting is the right decision. And if it's not, then I'm going to be flying around trying to make plays. And if it is, I'm going to do everything I can to um, get comfortable in college, get uh, hopefully all A's, and um, just help the team in practice as much as I can. So. Colorado State High School Player of the Year, JoJo Doman here, our guest on the Husker Online Show as we talk about his future here um, as he gets ready for signing day. And, you know, you, you did, JoJo, take one other visit to Colorado and uh, kind of explain more what went into that. Obviously, you were very upfront that you were still committed to Nebraska, but um, you, you went on that other trip to Colorado. Was that more just a thing to, uh, to, to just to kind of throw a bone at the local, the local program there in Boulder? I mean, what went into the decision to maybe take that other trip earlier this year? Year. um well i either way the trip uh would have helped me um i went in there just knowing i'm obviously still committed to nebraska but they were the first school to offer me and i have a really good relationship with coach mcintyre uh-huh. um, so when i went in there and just took everything in it honestly just reaffirmed my commitment to nebraska and uh that's uh what i was hoping for and um if it didn't then there'd be a problem but there was no problem so um, that's kind of what that weekend accomplished for me. Now, when you talk about this class that you're a part of, what guys do you talk to the most? I mean, talk about the relationship that you have with uh, some of the other players in this class, and a couple of them are already on campus, including quarterback Patrick O'Brien. For sure. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things about Patrick, um, but I don't know him that well. And um, the guys I've I had I've had relationships with is Greg Simmons out of Florida, who I was on my official visit with. 
along with J.D. Spielman, who I roomed with at the Semper Fidelis All-American game, and then Bo Wilson out of Missouri, who just was at the Under Armour All-American game. Um, I think we got a bunch of good dudes that are hungry and want to win football games um, coming in this year. So I'm excited to get in and work out with all of us pretty soon. We're pleased here to be joined by Nebraska linebacker commit, uh, defensive athlete, uh, excuse me, safety commit, JoJo Doman, uh, as we approach signing day. And JoJo, your, your father, uh, Craig Doman, is a nationally renowned sports agent. So growing up around that, I mean, I'm sure you've seen some uh, pretty cool things. You've, you've met a lot of people. Give me the, the best story or, or the coolest person you've been able to meet uh, just growing up around your dad and, and, and some of the things uh, that he, he's allowed you to be a part of. For sure. Well, I've been on. I've been to a couple Super Bowls along with countless NFL training camps and games with my dad, and I'm very blessed in that aspect just because I get to be around his clients, see what it takes um, to be at that next level. To um, just just to be around them is uh, is a special thing, just because some of these guys came from absolutely nothing, and other uh, others have had it good. And either way, you gotta you gotta get the most out of your body, and uh, just every aspect of yourself to be able to be successful at that next level. So um, the coolest person I've probably met is um, LaDainian Tomlinson, Tony Gonzalez, or Peyton Manning, I'd say. Wow. So, yeah, I, yeah. Have you seen the movie Jerry Maguire? Yes, I've seen that movie. So is, is that, I mean, is that, is that your dad or is that a little bit more amped up than, than, than reality? You know what? I think it's amped down. Amped down. I don't think I don't think they capture. I think they did. I did do a great job. That's an unbelievable movie, but it's it's insanely hectic, and um, he's almost more of a counselor than an agent. I'm just giving advice, life, girls, money, and pretty much anything, and just searching for jobs for him while trying to give him the most money possible. So, I mean, like I said earlier, like I'm very fortunate to have a father in that position, and. I've taken it all in, and hopefully I can apply it at the next level. So, Well, you want to be in broadcasting, so when you get done, we're going to hire you um, at Husker Online, or you're going to get a job with us, or TV, radio. What, what do you want to do someday? I'd like, obviously, uh, the goal would be, like, maybe phone, like, NFL College or even be on, like, ESPN. I'm not really sure. I'm just going to do the best I can and see where the road takes me. But then after that, um, I'd like to get into coaching. So just anything around football, I'm I'm all in for it. So, well, JoJo, we're looking forward to seeing you out here in Lincoln. I know uh, it's signing day is approaching. It's probably been um, a long six, seven months uh, after your commitment to to get to this point, and uh, I'm sure you're very excited uh, for the upcoming day. Oh, I'm very excited. I'm my whole family's going to be there, and um, hopefully, I don't mess up signing it uh, the papers. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to be in Lincoln. So. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. That was Nebraska uh, defensive athlete safety commit JoJo Doman here, our guest on the Husker Online Show. Much more recruiting talk next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show as we've been recruiting heavy as Nebraska gets ready for their biggest official visit weekend of the final home stretch. And uh, we bring back into the program Nate Klaus as uh, he gave us a little appetizer to start the show. He's going to give us the main course now uh, as we close things out, Nate. And it's going to be a busy, busy weekend. Um, Eight official visitors in as well as three high 
high-profile guys that will basically be like official visitors. Um, so when you're at that Michigan basketball game on Saturday, if you're a fan listening here right now, uh, be on the lookout. There is going to be a lot of key football targets uh, watching. But, Nate, let's get right to it. Uh, what jumps out to you about this group of visitors and, and the, the impact and meaning it could have on the class? Well, the first thing that jumps out is, I mean, this is a group of guys that Nebraska needs, wants and needs to close out with. Um, you know, the key position players are, are in town this weekend. You know, a, a guy like Isaiah Simmons is, is, has been a priority target uh, for a long time. You know, the, the wide receiver defensive back out of Olathe North um, and in the Kansas City area. Uh, he could play, you know, on either side of the ball, and it's just one of those guys that you want to bring into the program no matter what. Just picked up a Clemson and a Michigan offer this past week. Um, you know, he's still sticking with his Nebraska visit this weekend, uh, even though there's only one more weekend after this uh, to take trips. And this uh, is a guy that's from Omaha originally. Mm-hmm. I've had people tell me he would have probably went to Creighton Prep High School if he stayed in town. So he's got strong Nebraska ties. Yeah, he's got strong Nebraska ties. He, his dad actually, uh, is, I think, is fairly high up the chain at Nebraska Furniture Mart, and and that's why they moved to Kansas City is because when that new store opened up in Kansas City, he was a, a big part of. It. Gosh, that store's been there that long. Yeah. So, um, but that's you know, like you said, strong ties to the Omaha area, strong ties to Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska has been the the team that's been most consistent in recruiting him and I think that is going to go a long way uh, in helping to get Isaiah Simmons in town or in into Lincoln eventually but Obviously, a key target for the Huskers being a you know a high priority 500 mile radius guy uh, that they want to close out with, and then you, you look at the defensive end position. You know, arguably um, that position and offensive tackle are the top two uh, spots where Nebraska needs help at, and they're bringing in um, Tremel Ivy, the junior college defensive end out of Butler County Community College, who's a true difference maker in my opinion at 6'5", 245 pounds, uh, extremely talented edge rusher. This is a guy. Um, he was an all-conference player in the Jayhawk League, uh, and he—I mean—he's—he's he's cut out of the same type of mold as as uh, you know a Randy Gregory type guy. I'm not saying he is Randy Gregory, but uh, same type of body type. Uh, and it's just extremely explosive off the edge. He could be used as a stand-up um, edge rusher or a defensive end. So um, definitely a difference maker that you want to bring in. And then Colin Miller, the high school defensive end out of the Indianapolis area, actually goes to the same high school as Randy Gregory did um, when he was coming out of Indiana. So, um, And he moved his visit up. was going to visit January 29th, but decided to move that visit up to the 22nd. Uh, we'll come in this weekend and make a decision shortly afterwards. And, and you have to like Nebraska's chances now that he said that this will be the last trip. He's not going on the Arizona State trip, um, you know, because they were a team that recently offered as well. So, um, you know, I, I mean, you could go on down the line. Pernell Jefferson, the Oklahoma linebacker commit, will be in town. Uh, you know, and then a couple commits like uh, Markel Dismuke, uh, Brian Brokop already uh, have been longtime commitments, but they'll be in town to, to kind of help recruit. And then uh, it's a key weekend building for 2017. Keyshawn Johnson Jr., the, the top 250 wide receiver in the nation, will be back in town once again, be his fifth trip to Lincoln in, the, in less than a year. Uh, he's bringing the five star cornerback teammate, Darnay Holmes, with him. Um, well, it, 
2017s. Both two, 2017s. And then 2017 four-star wide receiver Javon McQuitty out of Columbia, Missouri uh, Battle High School will be back in town as well. It'll be his third trip to Lincoln in about six months. So all three of those guys, high, high-priority targets for Nebraska. And you could see, you know, these those are the types of kids that could really set the tone for that 2017 class. And uh, we'll be making their decisions sooner than later. So what you're telling me, Nate, is you're not taking the weekend off. It's going to be very, very busy as we go down this list. Um, we're previewing the the weekend ahead and recruiting with Nate Klaus as we close this week's Husker Online show down. And, uh, Nate, I want to get back to that defensive end topic. This has been something I feel like the last several years, even with Nebraska's success of putting DNs in the NFL, they've been in this boat in recruiting where it's a mad dash, a mad scramble, no matter who the coaches have been, to get quality defensive ends, how how do you fix this going forward? How, how does Nebraska fix this where they're not in this January twenty second feeling where you know it's boom or bust with this group of defensive linemen that will be on campus on Saturday? Well, that's you know that's a great question because and it's not just defensive end; it's defensive tackles as well. I mean, this is ever since Indomitian Sue came here. It, it's been a spot where you would think on the surface, you know, looking at things that it would be easy to recruit defensive linemen, defensive tackles, defensive ends to Nebraska, and, um, you know, that would be difference makers. And, and for whatever reason, it's been extremely difficult. Now, Nebraska got lucky last year being able to bring in the Davis twins uh, at that defensive tackle spot. Um, you know, that's, that's huge. It's not very often when you get two for one at a certain position, especially uh, with the, the type of talents that the Davis Twins are. Uh, but, you know, they need to strong, they need to close strong at defensive end in this class. And, um, and the, across the whole front is going to be extremely important for that 2017 year. Uh, and, and I don't know what the answer is in terms of being able to, uh, to, you know, secure early commitments there, get in on high value targets and, and really, um, you know, I, I guess move away from trying to, trying to close things out in the last couple of weeks uh, of the recruiting cycle at that spot. Um, I don't know what the magic the magic potion is to, to have success there, but uh, this this coaching staff's definitely going to need to find it here in the next two weeks in this class and then, of course, in 2017. The way I interpret the next two weekends, this weekend is very much kind of the plan A weekend. Anybody that would come in on the 29th kind of fits that plan B. So there could be guys now – that may not come in on the 29th, depending on what happens. I mean, is that is that a proper interpretation of how these two weekends will lay out? Yeah, that's that's about as well as you could you could say um, or describe these two weekends. Uh, Jane, this weekend is the the high value target weekend uh, where they're going to be you know they're they're building everything around that basketball game, which is going to be a crazy atmosphere. Great atmosphere to bring uh, guys in. It, they'll get a great sense for the Nebraska fan base and everything. Being able to go to Pinnacle Bank Arena, you know, because they're when you bring guys in in the middle of January or the end of January, it's kind of hard to simulate, you know, a home game. What you know, and tell these guys what it's like to play in Memorial Stadium. Well, if you take them to Pinnacle Bank Arena, at least they'll get a taste for how crazy the fans are, uh, and that's definitely going to happen this weekend. And uh, that January 29th weekend, that that will be the weekend where. Uh, you know, they, they try to close out on some guys or keep some guys warm heading into signing day and uh, that they can maybe fall back on depending on, you know, which way uh, or how the chips fall, you know, leading into And that weekend day. last year produced Alex Davis, Antonio Reed, and, and some quality guys. So uh, don't dismiss 
the importance of that final weekend. Uh, but there's no doubt with this game at one o'clock, I mean, it's a picture perfect day. They can do all the campus visits in the morning, have lunch, go to the game, have the evening. Um, you really couldn't ask for a better Saturday in January to have recruits in as far as uh, the basketball game to build it around. Exactly. And, and there's going to be a good, uh, you know, good, I guess, group of guys for, you know, anytime you can bring in this type of talent uh, and, and get those guys to be around each other the whole weekend, you, you form, you increase your opportunity for these guys to, to bond and uh, create a, create, you know, really good relationships with a lot of the guys that are already on campus. You know, uh, Patrick O'Brien, some mid-year guys are going to be heavily involved in recruiting these players as well. So uh, it should be fun to see how things uh, kind of close out over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be busy. Well, thanks, Nate. We're looking forward to the coverage from you, Mike Mattia, Brian Munson, the entire Husker Online recruiting team. All right, thanks. And that puts a wrap here on another edition of the Husker Online show. Make sure you are logged on. You should basically be on Husker Online the next 24 to 48 straight hours because it is going to be – full of recruiting news and headlines, and we are your spot to get that information uh, with this big recruiting weekend that lies ahead. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 